The Jets are looking to fly high over the Eagles, but is it too impossible a task for Gang Green to take down the defending NFC champion Eagles at MetLife Stadium Sunday? Kaz and I will break the game down, make our predictions, react to McCole Hardman on the trade block now, and we'll react to Aaron Rodgers. Interesting comments on the Pat McAfee show. Joining us on today's program is a diehard Jets fan, a guy who spoke to Kaz every week on WFAN back in the days of Joe and Evan. We've had Joe Beningo on a few weeks ago. Now we bring his old partner on and the current co-host of Evan and Tiki on WFAN. That's Evan Roberts. He'll join us, and it's all coming up next on a busy episode of Gangs All Here from the New York Post. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to Gangs All here on New York Jets podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts and watch us right now on the New York Post Sports YouTube page. Follow that Gangs All Here playlist. I'm Jake Brown at Jake Brown Radio on Twitter alongside a Jets beat writer for the New York Post, Brian Costello, who you can follow on Twitter at Brian Cos and read his stories in the Post and NYPost.com. Coming up in just a few minutes on the program, we'll have a guy that Cos used to talk to every week on WFN. You catch him on Evan and Tiki. That's Evan Roberts on the fan for two decades now. The guy's been doing it. For a long, long time, all different co-hosts, a rabid Jets fan. We'll debate with him why or why not should the Jets trade for Kirk Cousins or Ryan Tannehill. Cods, it's Eagles week as the defending NFC champs come to MetLife Stadium. It's going to be a you know a sea of Eagles fans, I'm sure, in the building. But speaking of trade, um, you know the big story out of this week continues to be McCole Hardman. And his frustration. Can the Jets get anything for him? Is it gonna is he gonna go for a six round pick at this point? Because it doesn't even seem like he's going to be active for another game. The way that you know solid deflected and kind of said, let's talk about Xavier Gibson and how great he's been. It'd be shocking if Hardman's even active for a game. Yeah, I'd say like a 2025 seventh round pick might be what they get for him. Right. I mean, he has no value at this point. So everyone knows he's not playing. Why would you give any, why would, why would you give the Jets anything for him? Uh, so yeah, I think at some point Joe Douglas just has to bite the bullet and want him out of the building and, and just take whatever he can get for him. And how does that work with the money? How much are they going to have to, do they eat that entire contract? Do they eat I'm going to the- guess they're going to have to eat the whole contract. Yeah. I yeah. don't think anyone's going to take them off the hook for that, which, you know, it's halfway through the season at the, if they wait till the deadline. So it'd be like, you know, $2 million or something like that. It's not, not a big deal. The other big news, as we feared Elijah Vera Tucker, Tucker out for the year, Achilles tear. Well, how do you replace him here? Is it just Max Mitchell? Is it Billy Turner? Do they bring in someone else? How do they replace him? I think Max Mitchell gets the first crack, Jake. You know, they, they say they're not revealing what they're going to do. But, you know, Mitchell played, obviously, in Denver when ABT went down. So I think he gets the first crack at it. If he struggles, then I think maybe you see Billy Turner. Not a lot of great options out there. I know they worked out Lyle Collins, but they didn't Yeah, what him. happened with that? Did they not like him or did they just not decide yet? Or not yeah, good enough? They didn't sign him, so that tells you they, they weren't that enamored with him. Or, you know, who knows what he's asking for, right? Sometimes these veterans want a little more money than they they should get. But so I think I I, I think right now they'll stay internal and try to fix it. Uh, 
but it's that's a big loss, Jake. I mean, he's their he's their best offensive lineman, their most versatile one. So this this is this is another big blow for them to take. And then I guess another guy who now is coming back, who is an option, he probably won't get a chance. But Carter Warren, right? I just can't see him playing, Jake. He he missed all the spring. He missed most of the training camp. So like, think about that as a fourth round pick rookie, right? He he's barely played. Uh, so I, I just I guess they might make him active because they're going to need an eighth offensive lineman. But I I just I think he's way, 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 way behind right now. Uh, hard to see him playing any any time in the near future. And do we expect Dwayne Brown to be back after the buy or do we just not know yet? We don't know yet. You know, that's going to be interesting. That's an interesting decision then, Jake, too, right? If he comes back after the bye, do you play him on the right side? He hasn't played there in his whole 17-year career, 16, 17-year career. Uh, but you Mekhi move Makai back to right and put him back left. to right, which is not going to make Makai happy. And he's done okay at left tackle. So that's going to be a fascinating decision that they'll have to make, you know, Giants week would be if Dwayne is healthy, he can come back. He may not be ready to come back yet, but it, he's eligible to come back for the Giants game. All right. The rest of the injury front, do we expect DJ Reed and Brandon Eccles back this week? Reed, I expect back. Uh, I'm not sure about Eccles yet, but Reed, Reed practice Wednesday. You know, the, the way the concussion protocol works is you practice and not with a non-contact jersey. Then if you come through that, you get cleared. So I would expect him to be cleared by the end of the week. Uh, I'm not sure about Eccles, though. All right. Now, before we get to Evan Roberts, the big game Sunday. It's the undefeated 5-0 Eagles come to MetLife Stadium, 425 p.m. And on the call for the first time... Mark Sanchez, his first Jets game. That's going to be fun. I think he'll add some insight. You know, you talked to Mark about about this the other day? Yeah, yeah, I just I've texted with him. He's excited. I told him I consider him the ex-Eagles quarterback, Mark Sanchez, for this game, right? Jets fans, you know, I told him, you better you better call it down the middle, man. Like, you don't want to be accused of being a Jets homer here. But, yeah, he's excited. And, you know, Mark obviously still close to the franchise. He does the podcast with Mangold. He was around this summer. So I think he's pumped up to do it. It makes me feel old, Jake, right? Like I I covered Sanchez when he was here. And now Sanchez is going to be talking about Zach Wilson. It's like life's a flat circle. Uh, yeah, right? it's scary. Time flies. <laughs> yeah, I, I feels like yesterday he was leading the Jets uh, to the AFC Championship. And now he's calling Zach Wilson against Jalen Hurts over under. How many tush pushes? Do we see on Sunday? It's a great play. I wish the Jets were able to do it, but I don't think they can with Zach. Jalen Hurts is just built different. Um, the offensive line is also built different. Yeah, Jason Kelsey. Jason Kelsey is. I think like Mangold would have been able to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I think back to that offensive line of Mangold and Brandon Moore, Alan Fanica, Rick, Damian Woody. Like they could have done this play. Uh, you know, I bet Rex looks at it and goes, "Oh, damn! I wish we did that because <laughs> it would have worked there." But yeah, it's it's a pretty unique play to them. Okay, no one else seems to be able to do it as effectively. So we'll see. I mean, I think for the Jets, key is win on first and second down. Don't let them get third and short, fourth and short, and, and that's the way to stop the play. Yeah, the spread is seven points. The Jets seven point underdogs at a home, which probably right. You know, I thought it might have been eight or nine, but that that's probably a fair number. The Jets coming off a win. You know, we keep saying the Eagles are due for a loss, but are they really? This is a team that could fight for an undefeated seed. They might be a 15-2, 16-1. Maybe they finish 17-0. We don't know. They're that good. They got a lot of playmakers on offense. Uh, having Swift on that offense is a huge boost in the backfield. The Jets, you know, we talk about their struggles against the Patriots. I mean, they don't play them often, but the Jets are 0-12 all time against the Eagles. They've never beaten the Philadelphia Eagles um, the last time they played 33-18 back in December 2021. And if Zach Wilson was the quarterback, two touchdowns, a pick 226 yards. He had a good first half, Jake. I remember he had a really good first half against the Eagles, and then things fell apart. The Eagles second in total offense, cause over 400 yards a game. This is going to be a tough test. Break the game down, make a pick. Yeah, I, look, you look at it, Jake, and say, okay, the, the Jets hung with the Chiefs a few weeks ago. They beat the Bills, right? Two other really good teams, so they should be able to stay with the Eagles. I, I just think this is a bad matchup for them, Jake. Styles make fights, and, you know, I think the Jets' strength defensively is against the pass. What do the Eagles do? They run. Uh, I think we've seen the Jets are susceptible to the running game. Pacheco had a good game for Kansas City. Denver broke a few big runs. You know, so I think the Eagles might be able to run on them. And then uh, you flip it to the other side of the ball. 
the Jets want to run the ball, right? We saw that. Brees Hall, they, that's that's what they don't want to lean on Zach Wilson. They want to lean on the running game. Eagles are the number one run defense in the NFL, allowing 60 yards. I think it's 61 yards a game. So they're going to be forced to pass. Uh, you know, I don't think they're going to succeed there. So I think this is just a really bad matchup for them, Jake. You know, in terms of, like, I think they can hang with talented teams like they've shown this year, but this is just, this is just a bad one. So I, I think the Eagles are going to win big. Uh, I'll go 31 to 10, Jake. All right. Going with the blowout. Um, I think the Jets have showed enough encouraging signs the last few weeks where they will keep this close, at least going into the fourth quarter. Maybe it's then when Zach makes a mistake or, or Hertz has a long touchdown drive to put the Jets out of their misery. But for some reason, I think they're going to keep it close. I think the Eagles are due. I think they might overlook the Jets a little bit in this game. Um, I think the home crowd will root the Jets on as many Eagles fans as there will be. I think the place is going to be rocking a 425 game, which I kind of like. I like the little 425. Usually we either get one or we get eight when it's at MetLife. So I I like the start time, um, less games, a little bit more uh, eyes on the Jets. Um, I think Zach has, you know, shown steady improvement. Now, if he could avoid making that mistake, keep this game interesting, maybe the ball falls one way or the other, a turnover, you run back a pick, something happens with the Jets catch a break, but I'm not going to live in a fantasy land and take the Jets in this game, um, despite the encouraging signs I've seen from them. But I think they keep it close, Cos. 27-20 Eagles I'm going to take. A push? All- You're picking a push? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll buy the half point and uh, – Anyway, I w- probably wouldn't touch that because it could be a blowout. I'm being pretty positive, thinking they're going to lose by seven. So I probably wouldn't touch it. But I do think that it'll be over the 41 and a half. I do think there'll be points in this game, whether it's you know 34-10 or 34-17 or 27-20. I think it'll hit the over 41 and a half. And you know, the other news in Jets land this week before we go to Evan Roberts is uh, Aaron Rodgers now, uh, you know, doing interviews is getting dangerous because he's now creating vaccine debates. Uh, did you see that interview? And, you know, are you surprised that Rogers is now, uh, you know, it took a while for him to get this side of him. We knew it was there and he would slowly drop subtle things like the Instagram story, crossing out uh, Moderna or whatever it was in the U S open. He's done little things, but he went full uh, scorched earth on Pat McAfee's show. Yeah. Am I surprised? No. Cause I think it's that platform sort of leads to a Jake. Like, I'll just take you a little inside the beat writer mind here, right? So, like when Rogers was coming, you 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 start thinking, do I have to ask him about vaccines, right? Do I have to ask him about working for Johnson, the Johnson brothers? Who, just to be clear, Jake, Woody Johnson and Christopher Johnson have nothing to do with Johnson and Johnson. Their great grandfather founded Johnson and Johnson. It was sold a long time ago to other people, right? So, oh, yes, really? Their great grandfather founded. I actually didn't yes. know that. Yeah, you know, and their and their uncle, their great 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 uncle. Like I, I so yes, they they that's why it was it. But they don't work for Johnson and Johnson, so the link between the vaccine and Aaron is dubious. So, but like you know, you had to think about it because people raised it. Like, do you, do you ask them about it? You know, I sort of thought my job uh, as a Jets beat writer for the New York Post is to find out stuff that Jets fans want to know, right? And I don't think Jets fans really care about his stance on vaccines so i uh, you know i chose not to ask that question and i think you know he he didn't i did ask him after the Djokovic thing i did ask him about that why he felt the need to do that so but as long as he wasn't talking about it i wasn't going to bring it up i kind of feel like i felt like that was his story from 2021 or whenever he said he was vaxxed and he wasn't so um but yeah i mean the mcafee show is different right they talk what was he on for 45 minutes the other day yeah. So they ate a lot of topics, and obviously he chose. I mean, he he did it two weeks ago when he said. Yeah, I was gonna say Pat didn't bring it up. Like that was all Aaron, I think. The two weeks ago, right when he went Mr. Pfizer, but like I feel yeah. like there's different. You see guys in different venues, right? Like I know that like the Jets organization, people get nervous when guys do radio appearances, right? Because it's that it's just them. There's, the Jets have very little control over the time of it, right? They so they just on there. They're talking a lot. It's not quite as it can, it can veer into different directions and they can get themselves into trouble. McAfee's just just different than most of his media appearances with us or even with Fox or with ESPN or any, you know, sports oriented show. So because McAfee just veers into different directions. And I think Aaron feels very comfortable on there uh, and he's trying he tries to be funny. So I do think that's part of it. But, yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. Do you care as a Jets fan, Jake? I don't care. If you pick a side, someone's going to tweet me the other side. So stick to the hard sports. part. The hard part That's right the now, Jake, is this is the, the like you, you knew when you wanted to trade for Aaron Rodgers that there's some nonsense that comes along with Aaron Rodgers, right? Whether whatever it is, you know, maybe it's not just vac- vaccine stuff. It's darkness retreats. It's ayahuasca. It's, you know, he's not your typical athlete. That's just, it's just football. So there's this stuff that comes along with him right now. You're, you're, you're getting that because he's on McAfee every week and you're not getting the good Aaron Rodgers, like what, what he can do on a football field. So, uh, I was curious, Jake. I wonder how the Packers feel about having to listen to Aaron Rodgers dissect their football game. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's one thing for him when he's talking about the Jets. When he's talking about Jordan Love and the Packers, I, I'm wondering how they feel about that. Or and Jimmy G, how he should handle Devontae. Like, you know, they, they veered into a lot of NFL topics the other day. Listen, it's there's a reason McAfee got a boatload of money. It's a good show. They do a good job. Um, I don't care that much. I just th- wish he didn't play the part of a doctor. Like he, I think too much. He thinks he's a doctor and he's not. So that's the only thing that's kind of annoying, but I think he's very entertaining. Like a lot of the stuff, the video of him, I forgot what it was about. He was like, bum. That's bull. That was blowing up on Twitter. I forget who he was talking about, who he called a bum, but he brought JK Dobbins on who was rehabbing with him there. So I think there are some fun things with him. Uh, you know, I think sometimes he just thinks he's Dr. Rogers. But, uh, you know, as long as he comes back next year and wins games for the Jets, I think that's all Jets fans will care about. Well, speaking of Jets fans, let's talk to one next. It's Evan Roberts of Evan and Tiki on WFAN right here on Gangs All Here. What the hell is going on here? Don't even get me going. Gangs All Here podcast, New York Post, Jake Brown, Brian Costello, welcoming welcoming to the program. A guy, I don't know when the last time we had him on, maybe a few years ago, but it might have been before video. So now you can see his beautiful face on the screen, which you also see on our, our partner, SNY. 4 to 6 p.m. weekdays, 2 to 6, 2 to 6, 2 to 6, 30. Uh, the co-host of Evan and Tiki on WFAN, of course, Evan Roberts. Fellow Jet fan, welcome to the program. It is an honor to return to this very special program. Thank you for inviting me. Now, Kaz, you used to see every week. Well, you at least oh. talk to him every week. And talk to him. the conversations felt- must have been through the roof every week with you and Joe. Well, I felt bad for him because basically Joe would treat Costello as if everything the Jets did wrong was his fault. And so and then I would join in like I felt bad. Like I'd be like, yeah. Why did Todd Bowles do that, you idiot? So he became like our whipping boy uh, as the person that was making every bad decision the Jets were making for a long time. So it always uh, put me in a strange. It put me in a strange spot, right? Because as Jake, as you know, many Jets fans feel that I'm negative and I don't like the Jets and all that stuff. But then I would find myself on Joe and Evan, like defending everything about the organization, just because Joe's stuff would be so over the top, especially about coaches that I would be defending them. And it was always a strange thing. I felt like I was a spokesman for the team uh, at times with the way Joe w- would go at it. So yeah, we, it was good radio. I thought it was good radio. And like, I know there's always a debate about whether to have beat writers on the station. Like I've heard Craig talk about that. I heard Gio talk about that. And I thought when well, we our spots were always entertaining. Yes, they were. And the thing about Joe, he gets a bad name for this. Like he's negative. Well, yeah, he's negative most of the time because the Jets are terrible. When they're good, he gets really positive. So when those rare moments occurred where the Jets are coming off a victory, he would get mad at you for being too negative. negative. Why are you not predicting us to win, bro? What the hell is wrong with you? So it kind of went both ways, but we mostly experienced the other side because let's face it, the Jets have been terrible for a decade. Well, the worst one was 2019, Gase's first year, right? They started <laughs> terrible. And he's yeah. like, fire him after four games. Fire this guy. Fire this guy. And I'm like, you can't fire a guy after four games, Joe. So they go, I think they started one in six, something like that. Then they ended up, remember, they won three games in a row. They beat the Giants, they beat the Raiders, and they beat Washington. And then he's like, hey, I I, I don't know. This team could make a run here and go to the Super Bowl. And I'm like, Joe, <laughs> like, no, no, they're dead. Then they went to the Bengals, the winless Bengals, and lost. Yes. yes. They're eating like, this is the worst Jets team I've ever seen. <laughs> and I yelled at him that time. I'm like, you just go whichever way the wind blows, Joe. He did not like that. He, he hung up on me. I was the only time he hung up on me. <laughs> he got real upset with me that time. Because, yes. it, But you're right. He would vacillate between the two. 
Yes, it's very uh, it's a roller coaster being a Jet fan. This season has kind of fit that way too. I mean, it has yes. been like the definition of a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, it has been a roller coaster on the show. I mean, you know, Joe almost uh, you know ruined uh, Tiki's life a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I mean, I'm sure you're still hearing about that from them too. Everyone, you know, Tiki's on the call the other day. Everyone calls him a Jets hater. I don't think he's a Jets hater. Uh, what do you think of that blow up between uh, him and Joe? I was surprised how quickly Tiki was able to forgive him because when he walked out and said, this is BS, I don't, you know, I know Tiki reasonably well. We've only worked together for less than three months. I don't know him that, that well. So I'm like, oh man, this could be ugly. Like, what am I going to do? My old lover, my new lover, like this is so complicated. (laughs) And when I spoke to him off air right after, he seemed like, yeah, yeah, I was a little little pissed off, but I'm good. I'm like, wow. Whoa. Okay. Okay. So this is going to work out. But yeah, they had a little bit of a blow up, but now we're all a big, happy family. Joe, Joe though, joking. I'm sure Evan has a million Joe stories of like, he can get under your skin, which is how aggressive he can be. And I saw with Tiki, the Jets lost to the Cowboys, right? That that week two game. I fly home. I'm exhausted. Like, usually Mondays, I am exhausted. Like Sunday's a long day. I'm traveling. I get home. I have to do a podcast, this, that. The other. My phone rings at one o'clock on Monday and it's Joe, bro. How could you give the coaches a D? They deserve an F. He's talking about my report <laughs> card in the paper. And he's like yelling at me like that I gave them a D. And I can barely even remember the grades that I gave them at that point. And I'm like, Joe, please, like, I can't do this right now. Like, they, my life is not a talk show. I need to get away from the Jets for a little while. But, yeah, he's he can be aggressive. Well, he was right. They deserved an F. Terrible grade, Cos. You should do better. Come on. How are you uh, handling this roller coaster right now? I don't know how to feel about this team. Zach is improved, but you know they played lousy team in Denver. The Eagles are going to come in and potentially curb stop them. Uh, how do you feel right now? Where are you feeling? So <laughs> here's what's very frustrating. It's very difficult to go from high expectations, which I think all of us had to varying degrees, into the world of last year, because that's basically where we are. We're in the same spot we were a year ago thinking, hey, if this defense can be more consistent, if they can force turnovers with this run game and the quarterback avoids mistakes, hey, maybe we can win nine games. Maybe we can make the playoffs. And that's like our new goal. And it's frustrating to go from Super Bowl aspirations and after one week to have to come back to that. Uh, Zach Wilson, to me, is not the answer long term. Now, I admit, has he shown progress over the last two weeks? Of course. Has he answered questions more maturely this season than he has last year? Absolutely. Has he not lost the locker room the way he did a year ago? Sure. So there's been progress, but I watch him and I know deep down, A, he's not the long-term answer because how can he be? Aaron Rodgers is going to come back or at least attempt to come back. And then you've got the messy situation of, are you going to give Zach Wilson a new contract? No, you're probably not. So you're not really looking at a young player developing, hoping he becomes a star because he's not going to be here long term. So I'm looking at this in a more short term vacuum. So while some of my fellow Jet fans like to see the development and it makes them feel good, I admit that there's development. But what does it mean? And that's what's really, really frustrating. I also know that you can't snap a finger and acquire a better quarterback. I mean, maybe the stars are aligning for a deal for Kirk Cousins, but it's unlikely. I'd be the first to tell you that. So. It's frustrating, and I kind of vacillate between hope and despair because sometimes I feel that sense of hope, the way they came back against Kansas City, the way they played defense in the second half of that game, the fact that they were a blown call away from potentially winning that game to winning an ugly game against Denver. I feel good, but then I'm reminded that my quarterback is Zach Wilson, and ultimately, how much are they actually going to be able to win with Zach as the quarterback? So it's been a tough season for emotions because you kind of go back and forth on how you feel. Yeah, I imagine you're getting that from callers too, Evan, right? At the station, because it's it's been like the after the Patriots game, that week was I can't remember many weeks where it was as down as it was that week, where it was like everyone it felt like the sky was falling on them. And then all of a sudden they they play the Chiefs well and it's like, okay, well, maybe it's something. Have the have the calls been like what you're describing, Evan, like all over the place? Oh, completely. I mean, you'll get your Zach defenders. But for the most part, it's Jet fans that have just run a roller coaster. You know, we're, we are all Joe Beningo this year because the wind has been whipping at such a pace in 2023 that you could understand from week one going from we can win a Super Bowl to, oh, my God, we won an amazing game to Buffalo to the disgust of the Dallas game in which that was a putrid effort, especially defensively to start. 
to the hope of coming back on Kansas City, to the hope of winning an early game against Denver. So it's been it's been an emotional roller coaster. What I'm trying to do as a fan, and I think what we all have to do as a fan, is just reset our expectations. This is a franchise that has not been in the playoffs since 2010. That we really haven't even been close outside of that first year with Todd Bowles and obviously the Victor Cruz year. So it's not as if we've had these close finishes. So I think we got to take a deep breath and say, just make the postseason. Just give us games into December and January where we have a chance. Though, I'll tell you what scares the crap out of me. And we'd all sign for it right now, but it still scares me. Jets are in a win and in situation week 18. It's right <laughs> in front of us. And not we're staring at the freaking Patriots, a franchise that they can't beat. And what's happened over the last two weeks is just, it's actually pissed me off to no end. You lose an ugly game to New England, a game you cannot lose. And then you watch the Patriots over the last two weeks get completely annihilated to the point where Boston wants Bill Belichick fired, and yet we still can't beat them. So week 18, winning in game against the Patriots is awesome, but also the scariest thing known to man. And it could be Aaron Rodgers' return, the way he's talking <laughs> in New England. What a story. That would be, It's interesting. You bring up Kirk Cousins. Me, Kaz shut me down completely when I said the Jets should go for Kirk Cousins. Kaz, have you changed at all on that front now that the Vikings are one of four and Justin Jefferson is hurt? Oh, it's not happening. Again, I'll come back to this. Name me the starting quarterback who's been traded in the middle of the season. There are examples like Carson Palmer, but I think he was like refusing was to ever play. Contract dispute. Yes. Yeah, that was totally well, you- different. You asked the question. I'm no, no, but answer. I'm talking about a guy who started like Kirk Cousins is going to start October 29th and they're going to trade him on October 31st. Like Minnesota, they don't have an heir apparent. I think Tannehill, I'll give you like a 1% chance on Tannehill because they've drafted quarterbacks the last two years. So maybe they want one of those guys to play, right? Cousins, they have no one behind him. Like I think Nick Mullins got hurt too right now or something I saw. So, yeah, he's hurt. He's hurt. So I don't even know who their quarterback is if they trade him. Like that's a horrible, horrible message you're sending to your locker room. And Okay. I, let me dispute you on this with a couple of things. First of all, you are right because we talked about this on the air the other day. Hey, has this ever happened in NFL history? You are correct. It never has. Okay. So obviously based on history, sure it hasn't happened. So I'll give you that. But what does that mean? Like the NFL over the last three years, four years has become like MLB in terms of the trade deadline. Being mm. like a trade deadline in Major League Baseball. We've not seen big quite. names not move. Quite. Not quite. It's not gotten more so, but it's not like quarterbacks, though. Like, not, not like We that. saw Bradley and, Chubb traded last year, did we not? Eh, yeah, that's the, he's Bradley Chubb. He's not Kirk Cousins. Like, Kirk Cousins also has a no trade. So okay. he's going to go, yeah, oh, you know what? I know we're bad. Let let me go play for what, what, what the Jets could be three and four at that point. All right, let's say they lose the Eagles, beat the Giants. Let me go play for the three and four Jets, move my family, like, I can't see it. All right, let me walk you through how it could happen. And you could tell me where I'm crazy. Number one, the motivation for the Minnesota Vikings in trading Kirk Cousins, who's a free agent at the end of the year, who they clearly have no interest in re-signing, is they're better off losing games. Players don't tank, franchises do. We all know that. If all of a sudden you have eliminated a quarterback that leads the league in touchdown passes, the odds of you losing games grow. And that puts you in a better position to draft a quarterback next year because they've made it pretty clear with their actions they're not re-signing Kirk Cousins. As you mentioned, Justin Jefferson, the best wide receiver on the planet, is injured right now. So number one motivation for trading Kirk Cousins, you get worse without telling players not to play hard because that's impossible, and you get a better draft pick. Number two, they have no intention of keeping him. That's it's been obvious. He's 35 years old. They haven't talked about a long term contract extension. Kirk Cousins is gone at the end of the year. So the Vikings motivation isn't even this amazing return they get on him. It's the idea that they'd be better positioned to lose games, get a better draft pick and draft a quarterback. As far as Kirk Cousins waving his no trade clause, I would agree with you on this. The Vikings would have to go to Kirk and be honest and say, look, we don't have plans for you long term. We're looking at moving you. The Jets offer you a situation where, yeah, you're not the long-term answer there. Yeah, they're not going to give you a long-term contract, but you got a chance to win. And God forbid you win a couple of playoff games in New York, your free agent value probably goes through the roof. So if you give Kirk Cousins the option, you can stay here, but we're being honest with you. We're not bringing you back. We have no intention of winning, or we could send you to New York, pick up Nate Hackett's system in a couple of weeks and give it your best shot. Why wouldn't it happen? And the reason why there hasn't been a quarterback moved at the trade deadline is because we've never had the stars align like this. The stars align in terms of veteran quarterback, team that's bad, team that has no intention of re-signing him, and then on the other side, a team that would literally rent him. And the cap number's low. So we don't even have a cap issue because the cap hit for him would be about $5.5 million, which would fit neatly right into the room that the Jets have. So you're right that history is not on my side. 
History is not on any of our sides. But when you look at the facts of this case, wouldn't you agree it's incredibly unique from any other quarterback trade scenario in the history of the sport? I have to really look at it because I'm sure there's been situations like this before. I, I you know, that there were the guy was going to move on. But three things. The, you have to look at those Vikings players in the eye, right? They have yeah. two months left and you're saying, okay, guys, sorry. I know you guys got to go out and put yourself at risk of injury for the next 10 weeks, but we've decided we want a draft pick. Like that's an easier sell in the off season when teams do it. Like when the Jets went with Josh McCown that year, it's a little bit of an easier sell. You can pump them up. Doing that mid season is tough Two, I like, I just think, what are you going to give up for them, right? You are going to have to trade a first-round pick. So now you're trading your first-round pick. You don't have a second-round pick next year. Those are gone. I don't know what else it's going to take, but it's going to take a first-round pick. He's a quarterback. So, And then three, uh, as Jake referenced, Aaron Rodgers thinks he's playing at the end of this year. So now you're telling Kirk Cousins, well, if he comes back, you're going to the bench? No, no, because no. I've heard. I've heard. No, so look, listen, like the big question was, why didn't they do something week? After the, after the Buffalo game, why didn't they sign this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, right? So I talked to people. What the Jets heard was, we aren't coming there just to play until Aaron Rodgers is ready to play. Like, they, they that became a thing because Rodgers made it pretty clear quickly that he want, he was going to try to return. They heard from a lot of quarterbacks, like, what, you're, I'm going to play, get you to the playoffs, and then this guy's going to come in? So, like, I don't think Kirk Cousins is going to go, yeah, I'll keep the seat warm until Aaron's ready. I just I don't see it. He, you know, and he picked the Vikings over the Jets. A few well, years well ago. why did he pick the Vikings over the Jets? The Jets he were the, bad. No, he picked it because he's from the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. He could go home whenever he wanted to. This is a guy. If you watch quarterback, he takes every Tuesday off. Right, he's a, into his family, heavy, heavy family guy. Like he's not going to be sitting there. He now you're going to ask him to move, uproot his family in the middle of the school year. Like I don't think that's going to happen. I just I don't think he's going to wait. Would wait well, with no trade clause. I don't think we're even going to get there. Like the Jets. The Jets took the big swing at a quarterback, taking a second big swing at a quarterback. You're gonna, you're really gonna, you're really gonna set the franchise back. And and for what is he gonna wait when you win the Super Bowl? Like Kirk, let's talk about Kirk Cousins too. He, what is his reputation? He right? gives you well. First of all, has Kirk Cousins ever played with a defense as good as this, as flawed as the Jet defense is? And the answer is no, not even close. The Viking defense was terrible last year. The but teams Cousins with Washington's out, defense weren't even that good. He comes out small a lot. Like I just. I, I can't see it. I mean, I have not heard this from one person inside the Jets. Like, oh, because the, they're not even kind of considering this right now. Because Joe Douglas, as much as I like him, he's got a blind spot for this quarterback. Like, I disagree with Joe Douglas from from get go. Like, Zach Wilson shouldn't have even been on this roster this year. He shouldn't have been. And whether it's the loyalty to drafting him as high as they did or it's that blind spot of actually thinking he's going to develop into something. I think one of Joe Douglas's biggest flaws has been his handling of Zach Wilson and the belief in Zach Wilson. I don't think he should have been on the roster. They could have signed Baker Mayfield. They could have signed Gardner Minshew. There were other backup options to come in here besides Zach Wilson. So I'm not disputing that the Jets aren't interested. Yeah, because the Jets have mishandled the quarterback spot outside of trading for Aaron Rodgers for years. So, yeah, they continue to believe Zach Wilson's the answer it's when money. most of it's us know he's not. It's money. It's money. It's it, this, and that's another reason this can't happen. You can't have all this money tied up at a quarter. Well, it's not a lot though. Kirk Cousins is making five and a half million dollars. Oh yeah, what they the can't Jets even do need that. To, oh, no, but what, what are they paying Aaron Rodgers and what are they paying Zach Wilson? You already. It's another five and a half million dollars from an owner that raises ticket prices after a bad year and asks his season ticket holders to give money earlier than ever before. <laughs> like I, I don't think any Jet fan wants to hear about the it's money. Not even, that's tied it's not cat. It's not. It's just it's roster management. They just they're not. That's why they weren't going to sign someone in the offseason too. Like it's just you weren't going to tie up all that money at one position. Well, I disagree with the Jets, and I disagree with you respectfully, and I hope you're wrong. You probably won't be wrong, <laughs> but I hope you're wrong. Yeah, I agree with Evan on this one. Another fun layer to this story is the Vikings backup quarterback was Zach Wilson's replacement at That's BYU, right. Jaron Hall. That's the guy, yes, pick. yes. So, boom, BYU backup fills in. Another guy comes in, takes Zach's spot. It's a BYU replacement party in Minnesota and in East Rutherford. I'm all in. What about Ryan Tano? Because Kaz right. That's a little bit more realistic. Would you be happy, Evan, with Tannehill? Do you think he makes the Jets better? Ah. Uh... He does. He does. Like right now, is Ryan Tannehill as flawed as he is better than Zach Wilson? Yeah, but I'm not as moved by it. I, I think a part of me is more content with 
not giving up the draft capital that Brian mentioned and just seeing if Zach can play mistake free and continue to improve. I, I don't think the upgrade of Tannehill versus Wilson is as significant. I think if we had this conversation two weeks ago or three weeks ago, right when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, I would have said, sure, get it done immediately. And that's what I wanted them to do immediately bring in some kind of veteran quarterback. Eventually they brought in Trevor Simeon, but he hasn't even been the backup. Like we've continued to see Boyle as the backup. So I think depending on the way Zach plays over the next few weeks, it's an option because he is a better option, but I don't think it's as improved as getting a guy like Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I don't I don't think Daniels is the answer. I just I think that's more realistic in terms of the Titan situation. But I think what Zach has shown in the last few weeks is that he can be a backup quarterback in the NFL. Right. So I think you have the backup quarterback now. And I've, he's playing because your starter got hurt. But I don't I I don't think he's been the Patriots game was terrible, right? But the last two weeks, I think he's done enough. He played pretty well against Kansas City. Denver was eh. He's a backup quarterback. That's what he is in the NFL, and I think that's what he's going to be for his career. I think he's going to stick around in the NFL. I mean, there was questions – I had questions earlier of you know whether he could last at all. So I think – I don't think they're going to see it as a major upgrade. And, uh, you know, I think you're I think you're looking at Zach Wilson for, for – well, And if Zach Wilson goes south, Trevor Simeon will play. And the reality is this. Whether it's Trevor Simeon, Zach Wilson, or even Ryan Tannehill, the formula – for this team to get to the postseason remains the same. This yeah. defense, which has been great in second halves, needs to get off to better starts. They need to consistently force turnovers, which they've done at times. Certainly we saw it last week. And they've got to run the football effectively. They have to basically yeah. be the 2009-2010 Jets, which I think they can be because talent-wise, I think this defense is better. One I do. Big difference. One big difference with those teams, offensive line. 100%. Yeah. Oh no. So that, I, that's a trouble. Yep. That's why I'm talking. You know, more so about this defense and defense, the potential that it has. Yeah. Defense has the potential. Yeah. Yeah. Because that defense line. didn't have the pass rush that this defense has. They obviously Agreed. had the corners. This team yeah, has the pass rush. You're right about the O line, but I also yeah. think Brees Hall can be that dynamic player. And Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall are talents that that nine and ten team really didn't have. So. That's that's the formula. Now, will they get as far as those teams, the AFC championship game? My God, I'd have a parade if that was the case. But that's the formula for success, no matter who the quarterback is. Yeah, I just the offensive line. Those offensive lines were so good. Uh, yep. That's the problem. Like, yeah, when they play Denver, they can run the ball. The, let's see this week against the Eagles front. The number one, the Eagles are allowing 60 rushing yards a game right now. They're the number one def- run defense in the NFL. Like, now they lost AVT. I, I just I think this offensive line is going to be what costs them uh, going down the stretch here. What do you think of the Eagles game? Any shot, Evan, that the uh, Jets pull a miracle? Or are they getting crushed? Is it to keep it close? What do you think? The track record of this team through five weeks has been outside of the Dallas game. That seems to be the exception. They play to their competition. They played up to Buffalo to the point where they beat them. They played up to Kansas City where they were a call away from shocking the world. But then they played down in New England and lose, and they played down in Denver and win. The Dallas game, forget about it. That was just that was a disaster from the beginning. So I have confidence this is going to be a game. Like, I have confidence they could actually stay in this game with Philly, but do I have the guts, the balls, if you will, the stupidity to pick them to beat a franchise they have never beaten in their history? I do not. But I do think that what they've shown this season in the limited sample size, again, outside of the Dallas game, is they play to their competition. And I think that fourth quarter, Sunday afternoon, they're in the game. And truthfully, I hate to be negative, Zach probably makes a big mistake. Look, he's made a few over the last few weeks. The fumble in the game against Kansas City, the interception, which I know some has tried to put on Garrett Wilson, but it was not a great throw by Zach. Ultimately, this game's close. Zach needs to make a play, makes a mistake. We lose. But... I saw this from the Kansas City game. My fellow Jet fans walked away encouraged from that game. And even the Jet locker room seemed encouraged from that game. So I think that the Jets go into the bye with this positive feel, especially looking at the Giants and the Chargers and the Raiders coming out of the bye. So lose, but lose close is my gut feeling. Where are you on Robert Sala? Uh, (laughs) My biggest issue with Robert Sala has been his handling of this quarterback. That's always been my biggest issue from last year to the Mike White stuff to even this year when he's talking about the improvements after the New England game. But the other problem I have with this coach is he is screwed up in big spots. We saw last year with the timeout debacle against Detroit with not pulling Zach Wilson in the second New England game. And obviously, and I know a lot of it should go on Zach, but it's also got to on the coaching staff that they didn't walk away with points at the end of the first half. 
That crap cannot happen against the Eagles. That can't happen. So right now I'm not out, out on Robert Sala. I'm certainly not in, in on Robert Sala, but if this is like a clock, I'm pointed towards not believing he's the guy, but look, he has a chance to prove us all wrong. Go on a run, win some football games. Don't make those mistakes like we saw at the end of the first half of the Denver game. And maybe he will be the long-term answer, but I'm not out on him the way I was on Adam Gase after about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I think he's got to be start with the the nice guy stuff. I think he's got to yell at guys sometimes and he doesn't do it enough. Um, he's definitely a player's coach, which I think he's good, but he's got to lay the hammer down at some points. Uh, Evan, that's the problem. Do you think this team wins nine games, 10 games and gets in? No, no, I don't. I, I just don't trust them yet. You know, it's very difficult. If I sat here and said, yes, what the hell would I be basing it on? What have they done? I mean, look at what happened at the end of last year, which still haunts me. Like their defense was playing well, but they couldn't force a freaking turnover and they had an awful quarterback play and they don't have a real backup. I guess you could tell me Trevor Simeon or Timmy Boyle if things go bad with Zach again, which could happen. So ultimately, even though the schedule softens and I think they will win games, I don't think this is a four win season or a five win season. It's very difficult for me to sit here and say, yeah, they're going to win nine or 10 games or make the playoffs. That's the goal. That's the expectation of what it should be. But I feel they fall short. We're probably cursing out the head coach at the end of the year. And we're debating, hey, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. What are we supposed to do? Do we kowtow to what the quarterback wants? Like, is this the Brooklyn Nets all over again? Will we just ask our star players who should be the coach? Like, is that the world we're going to live in? Because I kind of have a feeling that's the world we will be living in. That's the world you'll be living in. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, he runs the organization. It's uh, that's the way it is. Like, yeah, and yeah, he if he wants Robert and Joe back, they'll be back. If he wants Nathaniel Hackett to be the head coach, Nathaniel Hackett will be your head coach. But uh, I'm curious, Evan, uh, with with Tiki, with working with Tiki now. Like, right, your job is to argue. You're very good at it, arguing sports points. And when you argue with me about Kirk Cousins, I'm I'm just sort of a schmo that that thinks he knows about football, but. When you argue with Tiki about football, like Tiki obviously was a great, great, great football player. Do you ever like go, hmm, this is tough to tell him he's wrong about football? Like, how, how do you handle how do you handle the football arguments with Tiki? I, I think it's an interesting dynamic where I am a fan fan and he is a player and X is an O's guy. So sometimes he will come on and explain why a play went bad. Right. And ultimately, I love learning that. But then I say, who the hell cares? The play went bad. <laughs> So I think our arguments are from such a completely different perspective, which is good, because if you're listening, you get completely different perspectives on why something happened and why something should happen. And we've obviously disagreed a lot. I think he has shown more faith in Zach Wilson, more faith in him kind of figuring it out in this new system with Nathaniel Hackett, who he really likes. He's only told me that 100 times. Nate's my friend. I like Nate. Nate's my friend, which is great. Nate ain't my friend. Now, I hope he becomes my friend because that means he's a good offensive coordinator. So it's definitely different, but I like it. It's a very, very different perspective. Arguing with Joe and arguing with Tiki, two very different things. That is for sure <laughs> about football. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we had uh, Nate on the podcast after he got hired, and I can see why people like him. He's a very likable guy. He's fun. He's charismatic. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're not best buds with him uh, just yet. Did Carton leaving surprise you, and do you ever, you ever miss Carton? I miss Carton. I loved working with him. It was a very fun experience. He was fun to hang out with before shows and obviously to do the show with. The moment, I'm being honest, where he attempted to do a morning TV show and then an afternoon radio show, and I saw the effort that you have to put in to do both, I said to myself, I said to my wife, I said, he's given up one at some point. (laughs) I mean, that's impossible. Like, I got tired looking at it. And I wasn't even doing anything because one thing I've made very clear throughout my life is I just want to do my show. Like, I don't want to do 15 other jobs. That would tire me. Beningo used to do it with SNY. And I would always say, how the hell do you do that? He's like, I don't know, bro, but I like the money. I'm like, okay. I mean, good for you. I I like money, too. I also like sleep. I also like uh, not driving myself to death with sleep. So I I could tell early on, wow, this is going to be a very difficult schedule to maintain. But I think you always hold out hope that. It'll just work out. We'll continue forever. So I wasn't fully surprised when he left, but I had a great time with him. I I look at the three shows I've done at the fan with Joe, Craig, and now Tiki as so unique and so different in many, many ways. So there's positives to every show I've done because they're so completely different. Like it depends on the day. But yeah, I miss Craig and I wish him all the best. He's doing a fine job with Fox. How old is Jet now, Evan? Seven years old. 
So is he yep. old enough now to look at you after the after a fifteen to ten Jets loss to the Patriots and go, Daddy, why did you name me Jet? Is he does he <laughs> does he comprehend it yet? Oh, he, he doesn't understand how like he roots for the Mets. He roots for the Brooklyn Nets. He roots for the Islanders. And what those other teams have done over the course of his life is have some level of success, right? The Mets right. are in the playoffs last year. The Nets have been in the playoffs basically every year of his life, or at least his last few years. The Islanders made runs. And then you have the Jets. And in his lifetime, they have been nothing but trash. So he is so used to the fact that they're bad to the point where when they win a game, like after they won the Denver game or when I woke him up uh, the next morning after the Buffalo game, there was this stunned look on his face like they won. Like that's not supposed to happen. That's really rare. But I knew I screwed my kid up when I sat him down to watch the first quarter of Jets Buffalo week one in oh. his Aaron Rodgers T-shirt. And before the game, before the game, I can't believe this. He looks at me and says, Dad, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to get hurt. Oh. And I said, I said, excuse me. He's like, yeah. Now, again, he's watched Jacob DeGrom get hurt. He watched Kevin Durant get hurt 500 times. So clearly experience. I say, why would you say that? And you know what his response was? Think about how wise this seven-year-old was. He's old. Mm, How could you argue with that? He's old. (laughs) And then five freaking minutes later, he's laying on the ground and he looks at me and says, I told you, Dad. Wow, jeez. So, yeah, great being a Jet fan when you're a seven-year-old, isn't it? If the seven-year-old says same old Jets, where you're in trouble, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. <laughs> Listen, I relate. When I was nine in 2000, the Mets made the World Series. At first, Tiki was my favorite player before I was a Jets guy. I love Tiki. Giants made the Super Bowl. The Jets were great. Pennington, they get to the playoffs. Um, the Knicks were great. Oh, everyone was great. I was like, life's going to be great. And then it quickly uh, went downhill the the last 23 years of, of my <laughs> life. Um, you know, We'll close with this. Me and you, I've said this before, share an interesting um, thing where you started in WGBB. I started there uh, in college. And as a kid, you did a show with Scoopy and I did a podcast with Scoopy for a year. So and now so Scoopy is like a superstar, man. He's like a newsbreaker. Yeah, I don't, sometimes I don't know if it's, <laughs> if it's accurate. It's not always accurate when he does. Um, but um, h- how did the fans start? Because you did updates on Imus. But how does that happen at 15 years old? Like, did you so, send a tape in? How did that work? I, I sent tapes in for years and they were rejected mostly. But you got to one lesson I always say to anybody who's young is never give up. You're going to be rejected 150 times. It doesn't matter. Like, it just doesn't matter. So I was doing a show. I, I was at XM Satellite when they first launched with no listeners. And it was like college because I was really getting to do a show and learn how to do a show and learn how to talk because without callers, like you're just carrying the show. And as I was doing it, I sent tapes to WFN, nothing. Then I got a job at ESPN radio down in Baltimore after NASCAR races, sent tapes, nothing, kept sending tapes, started working at Sirius, sent tapes. And finally, they let me fill in once. I don't know if it was because I was just so obnoxious. So I filled in in July of 2004 and then slowly got more overnight. So it was really the persistence of sending tapes over and over and over again. And then I got the opportunity to just fill in and do overnights. And I'll never forget, I did the overnight 2 a.m. after game seven of 06 against the Cardinals. So as a diehard Met fan who was just in the building, I'd been doing shows for about a year and a half. So a little bit of experience, but still like I'm really new to all this. I'm still only 23 years old at the time to come on the air after that game was still to this date the most painful experience I think I've ever had. But it was therapy, right? You know, for four hours, it's me and Met fans talking about the most brutal loss, arguably, in the history of the franchise. And then I, a year later, I got the great opportunity to work with Joe in Middays, which was a, a tremendous run. We actually worked together for 14 years, which is crazy. I covered that game. I covered Game 7 in 2006. Oh, how, was, how was that locker room? Well, here's what's here's what stands out to me in my memory. So I grew up a Mets fan, right? I was at Game Seven in '86. I was I grew up so, but you know, you lose it when you start doing this job. So I wasn't a fan that night. I was rooting for myself to have a you know get a good story. But I was so at, in the playoffs, they have an auxiliary press box, right? Because there's there's right. just too, too many people. The auxiliary press box was upstairs at Shea, upper deck behind home plate. So that's where I was because I wasn't the beat writer. So I was there. So I had to go you know, down the loop at Shea, all the way down to the locker room. People were sobbing, like sobbing. Kids like sobbing as we're going down after the strikeout. 
then there's cursing. Like it was as upset a crowd as I've ever seen, ever covered. We get to the locker room and they're kind of like, eh, it's a game. And I, I just remember, I'm like, this is the difference of like professional athletes and fans. Like they were upset, but they weren't, they weren't really upset. They were kind of yeah. just like, I remember, remember Beltran, like was Beltran was like, Hey, it was a good pitch. And it was like, it was like, what do you mean it was a good pitch? How do you not swing? How do you not swing? And you know, it was, that was a very interesting experience. Well, that's a that's an experience that teaches you. I mean, which we all yeah. should know now, which is as fans, we care more. I mean, oh, we absolutely care. the athletes yeah. care. I don't want to say they don't care, but yeah. the fan cares more because we carry these scars forever. And walking out of that building that night was the quietest I have ever heard Chase Stadium. Like you yes. could hear a pin drop to the point where I'm walking out of my seats in the Loge, Loge 325 and through the runway, I heard the Cardinals celebrating. That's how quiet it was. You could hear them making their noises. And what I completely regret about walking out of that stadium that night, as devastated as I was, I had this feeling of, don't worry, we'll be back. Don't worry, we'll be back. And I've learned from that. Like, no matter how bad a loss is or how hopeful you are for the future, I learned. I'll never forget when the Nets lost game seven of the box. Brutal overtime game. I'm sure you remember, even if you don't like the Nets or basketball. The Okay. Walking out of that building, I had that same feeling. Like just devastation. And I thought to myself, don't don't do it again, Evan. Don't assume you're going to be back. I don't give a crap who's on this roster. I don't care how good these guys are. I don't care how many injuries they had. Do not assume you will be back because there's no guarantee. And guess what? They (laughs) never came back. So let this be a lesson for all of us. When you get that opportunity, it's like the Giants last year. You're in the NFC divisional round against the Eagles. Don't assume, oh, we'll be back. We got a coach now. We have a quarterback now. There's no guarantees. And the 06 Mets were the ultimate lesson in that. Well, Jets Pittsburgh too, right? Well, I thought Jets Colts. It's funny (laughs) because in Indianapolis, I said, we're never going to be back. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I was wrong that year because we were back. Yeah. Yeah, One, I experienced different because I was at game six. So on the train outside the, you know, leaving, it was John Main, John Main, John Main, John Main. It was John Main chance coming off the train. So I didn't get to experience game seven. Um, And then Kaz left for the Jets and they have not made the playoffs since you started as B writer. So it is the curse of the Kaz. Hopefully that ends maybe this season. (laughs) Evan Roberts, you can catch him. On Evan and Tiki on WFAN, SNY, it's on 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, your podcast, Rico Bronia podcast as well. You can check that out. Uh, Evan, great to catch up with you, man, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Thanks. Thank you very much. We'll talk during the Super Bowl when we're taking on the Eagles, right? In the Super Bowl. <laughs> Thanks, Evan. <laughs> See you later. Oh, the whole, oh my God. But like... <laughs> All righty. Good stuff there. Great interview with Evan Roberts. We touched on everything. He's had a hell of a career starting young, you know, in his early 20s, starting on the fan. That's almost unheard of these days. So shout out to Evan for that. And thanks, Tim, for coming on the program. As that says, good night to episode 156 of Gangs All Here, a Jets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Andrew Hartz and the new intern, Mason Verdicchio, for helping me produce the show. Catch up on all old episodes you may have missed of Gangs All Here by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, write in a nice review, and watch us. Subscribe to that New York Post Sports YouTube page to watch full uncut episodes of the show. Give us a thumbs up below. Comment below your predictions for Jets-Eagles. Do you want talent? Do you want cousins? Do you think one of those deals could happen? Let us know in the comments, or do you ride with Zach? Brian Costello. I am Jake Brown. We will be back first thing Monday morning. We'll record late Sunday night after the 425 Jets-Eagles game. Enjoy the game, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday, and thanks for listening to Gangs All Here. Hey, hey, hey.